This morning our scripture reading will be taken from 1 Timothy chapter number 1, beginning at verse number 12 and concluding at verse number 17. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly and in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Howbeit for this cause I obtained mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Now unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. The Apostle Paul tells the young men, Timothy, what all Christ had done for him. When you begin to think of who he originally was, in Acts chapter 7, the end of that chapter, we find then known as Saul of Tarsus, he consented to the death of Stephen, as Stephen was preaching the gospel. In Acts chapter 8, the third verse, we're told that Saul made great havoc of the church, and he went off committing many people under prison. But of course, that all changed in Acts chapter 9, when he found out that what he was doing was not what the Lord wanted him to do. And even though, like many others in which later as he became known as the Apostle Paul to whom he had written, he had a great seal, but it was not according to knowledge. However, God would use that seal and channel it in a very positive way. One who used to be an opponent of the cause of Christ later would become a great worker for his kingdom. And as he began to share his message, he provides there is a great hope for Timothy, there is a great hope for you, and there is a great hope for me. And this could only be done with the grace that he had received and such mercy. The first thing that we note that Paul talked about was how God's grace was exceedingly abundant. You notice there in verse 14 of our text, he says, And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Where would Saul be without the grace of God? When you look at the book of 1 Corinthians, there in chapter 15, Paul begins to tell us where he would have been or who he would have been. 
He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and in verse 9, For I am the least of the apostles, who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. He admits that he was indeed a great persecutor of the Lord's church. But because of the grace of God, he is no longer a persecutor. He is a worker, one who seeks to bring people in to the kingdom rather than keeping them out. And the only way that people are going to be a part of the kingdom is to know about it. To know the one who promised to build his church, the one that adds the save to the church, Jesus Christ. The same Jesus who died, was buried, and rose again. That's the power of the gospel of Christ. And that was the message that Paul began to proclaim. He proclaimed that very message because of the grace that was given to him. Ephesians chapter 3, there in verse 7, he tells those in Ephesus, I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. To me, who am less than all the least of all the saints, this grace was given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Again, he reminds them, this is who I used to be. And even though I consider myself to be the least of all the saints, or even less than that, still God's grace has reached me. And I am making it my mission to go and share the gospel of Christ so that you too can hear that same message and allow it to benefit you. You see, it is through that grace that I can come to have the hope of everlasting life. In the book of Romans in chapter 5, there in verse 20, Paul said, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. As sin entered, death came into the world. But as he said that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And as Paul refers to himself as the chiefest of sinners, less than the least of all saints, perhaps he understands that he has committed many sins. But yet he also understands that so does the grace of God cover those sins. And he wants to be sure that that message is known. And just as that sins have been committed, 
sins need to be repented of. Indeed, those sins can be forgiven. But that can only happen because Jesus Christ has shed his sinless blood upon the cross. Ephesians chapter 1, there in verse 7, Paul says that in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Paul knew that the grace of God is very, very rich. It covers a multitude of sins. And again, as Paul refers to himself as the chiefest of sinners, he knew that he needed all the grace that he could get. Well, you know you need grace. I know I need grace. It is because of that grace that we have a chance to be saved. In Second Timothy chapter 1, as Paul wrote his second letter to the same young man to Timothy, in verse 8 he says, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace which was given to us before time began, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. Yes, indeed, this has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ. Remember there in Acts chapter 9, the Lord told Saul, Why are you persecuting me? And he asked, What would you have me to do, Lord? He finally began to know who the Lord was. He began to know that what he was doing was not what the Lord acquired of him, but he began to know. And as he began to learn and follow his commands, yes, the grace of God was not in vain. But yet there is something else that Paul needed, and he referred to it twice in our text. Going back to First Timothy in chapter 1, you notice that he said in verse 13, Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man, I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. But then again in verse 16 he said, However, for this reason I obtained mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show all long suffering." as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. He says, also I received mercy. And he said the things that he was doing was because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. Now perhaps you have heard the saying, ignorance of the law is no excuse. Paul is perhaps not excusing himself 
but explaining that why he did what he did is because he did not know any better. And later, once he did learn what was better, he was willing to change. And in fact, he was no longer Saul of Tarsus. Instead, he began to be known as the Apostle Paul. His former life he considered to be dead. But he was a new creature in Christ. You see, he knew that there was something that was commanded of him. And something that is commanded of all of us today. In Acts chapter 17 verse 30 he explained. Truly these times of ignorance God overlooked. But now commands all men everywhere to repent. And watch repentance he had. He was not longer willing to persecute the church. But instead, he was willing to preach the gospel that they could be a part of the Lord's church. That very mercy that Paul says he received is also necessary for our salvation. In the book of Titus, the third chapter, there beginning in verse 5, Paul explained that it is not by works of righteousness which we have done, But according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. If Saul was saved based upon the works that he had done, he would be totally lost. But because of mercy that was extended to him, giving him a chance to repent, a chance to be obedient to the very gospel, he was able to be saved. And so, as he took advantage of that, he wants to share the good news with us that we too can be saved. Did you catch going back to our text in 1 Timothy chapter 1 that he said in verse 15, However, for this reason I obtain mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show all longsuffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. Are you willing to believe on him for everlasting life? Am I going to believe on him for everlasting life? Paul said these things are a pattern. If I did what was necessary to be saved with what I have received, so can you. So can I. That's why he told Titus in chapter 2 and verse 11 that the grace of God Bring salvation. It has appeared to not just Paul, but to all men. Not only him, but you and me. Everyone throughout the entire world. He even told the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 15 that the grace has spread through the many. 
There are many individuals that have received, indeed, the grace of God. And yet, it is through God's grace that our sins can be justified. You know, many times we try to justify ourselves. The reason I did this is because, or I did not do that because, Paul says that's not what justifies us. But in Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, he says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. He may be the cheapest of sinners, as he believes, but he is not the only one that has sinned. He has, you have, and I have. But he says in verse 24, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has sent forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance God has passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. One who has faith in Jesus. How was he to have faith in Jesus? Remember what the Lord told him there in Acts chapter 9, that he would be told what he must do? It wasn't very long until he met a man by the name of Ananias. One that would come and tell him what he needed to do. And it wasn't long before he understood what he needed to do. Because he understood what was done for him. Going back to 1 Timothy chapter 1, there in verse 14, he said, The grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. Notice that here he associates grace with faith and love. As Paul would write his second letter to Timothy, on more than one occasion, he shows us those relationships between faith and love. For example, in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and in verse 13, he said, Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Then in chapter 2 in verse 22, he said, Flee also youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Is that what Paul did? Did he flee from those things that he used to do? Did he call on the name of the Lord out of a pure heart? Isn't that what Ananias would tell him? As he said in Acts chapter 22, verse 16, Saul, Saul, why are you waiting? But arise and be baptized. Wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. He was to arise and be baptized. Wash away his sins. That shows us indeed that he had faith. He began to understand God's love for him and he indeed loved him 
and return. What Paul did was obey that very faith. And that's what we all must do in order for the grace of God to be at work. In Romans chapter 1 and in verse 5, Paul says it is through him we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom you are also the call of Jesus Christ. Paul was obedient to the faith, but he says that it's not just for him, but for all nations. And later in Romans chapter 5, there in verse 2, he says, It is through Jesus Christ, whom also we have access by faith into this grace, in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Paul had much reason to rejoice. When you look at who he used to be and who he did become, he was not the only one. Remember the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8? What did he do after he was baptized? He went on his way rejoicing, didn't he? Is that what we have done? Are we able to rejoice because... We have access by faith into the grace of God. How wonderful it is, indeed, that we could receive such salvation. But in order to be saved, we cannot have God's grace alone. We also need our faith. And that's why Paul explained in Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 4, that God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. For it is by grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God. He was very kind toward Paul. He gave him a second chance. And yet he is very kind toward each and every one of us. He has given us a second chance. But we know that we only have so many chances because there will come a time in which this world will be no more. And as long as we have a chance, we need to take advantage of it. Saul did. He became Paul. What about you? What about me? Are we willing to do just like him? Are we neglecting the grace of God? Are we not receiving His mercy? Well, if we are Christians, we have received these things. As Peter was writing to Christians in First Peter chapter one, there in verse two, or First Peter chapter two in verse nine, he says, "But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood." 
a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Peter says there was a time you did not obtain mercy, but yet you have now. And did you notice what Peter said that they were to do? He said there in verse 9, to proclaim the praises of you, him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Does that sound like what Paul was doing here in 1 Timothy chapter 1? Proclaiming the praises of the one that called him out of darkness into his marvelous light? You know, I think about that passage again in Acts chapter 9. When the light from heaven blinded him, and he could not see. But then, after a while, he was able to see. And yet, he did sing his praises. He said there in our first verse of our text, verse 12, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Then as we concluded our text in verse 17, Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, to God who alone is wise, be glory and honor forever and ever. Amen. Paul saying his praises. You know, you and I can as well. Because just as Paul received grace and mercy, he was able to be saved. And God is extending his grace and mercy towards you and toward me. And through that, we can be saved too. The question is, are we also willing to be obedient to the faith? Do we truly believe with all our heart that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God? Are we willing to repent of our sins? Are we willing to confess our faith? Are we willing to be baptized for the remission of our sins? Are we willing to live the faithful Christian life? Are we willing to share the good news of the gospel of Christ with others, that they too can be saved? Do you need to respond to the invitation this morning? If you do so, won't you come as together we stand and sing?